times I've heard uh, people say when they have a, a newborn baby, I sure wish this child came with an owner's manual. Well, it does. It's called God's Word. And so uh, that's our manual for life. And we want this new believer to understand how valuable this tool of the Word of God is. Thank you for joining us for this episode of General Order 4. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about how we can accomplish the four goals we started talking about last week. Hello, and welcome to this episode of General Order 4. And on today's episode, we're going to be kind of continuing the discussion that we started last week about the goals that a discipler has um, for the person that he is discipling. Um, But on today's episode, we're going to take it from the other angle, and we're going to look at what the discipler himself needs to do in order to to accomplish those four goals that we set out last week. And so just to do a brief recap, um, I'm going to go through those four things that we had talked about last week as being being the things that we want that we desire to see accomplished in the life of a new believer through the discipleship process. And of course, all of these things happen because God desires them to happen, and he's the one that establishes them in these ways. Um, but here are the four things that we want to see accomplished in the person's life. The first thing we talked about was seeing that disciple um, established in a relationship and fellowship with God. And uh, nothing else worked without that. And the second thing we looked at was that that disciple was established in fellowship with other believers. Um, and, and then the third one was that they get plugged into the local church. And so those two kind of go hand in hand, but they are getting plugged in with other believers that may not necessarily be in their local church as well in that second part. Um, and then the last, the last goal was that they are established, uh, in the ministry itself, the ministry. Again, uh, we've talked about many times that word means to be teaching, um, the word of God. And so eventually we want that disciple to begin to teach other people. And so if those are the four things that we're looking to accomplish, there's a couple of things that we as the disciplers need to do in order to accomplish that. And so we're going to get into that in just one second. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm joined as usual by Pastor Brian Stewart today. And uh, we are excited about the topic at hand. And so we're just going to go ahead and dive right into it. Um, So there are four things that a discipler needs to do in in order to accomplish those four goals that we talked about last week. And so... The first thing um, is is somewhat, it may seem obvious to you as the listener, um, but I don't think that we give enough attention to this one, this one point here, and that is that we have to understand clearly the foundational things. Um, and I think uh, there are many times in many churches that someone gets put in a position to teach something that they don't fully and clearly understand for themselves. Um, so, Pastor, if you want to go ahead and jump right into that and talk about that a little bit. So what, what we're going to talk about here is that this foundation is not a foundation that we as humans can lay. This is a foundation that only our Savior, our, our Heavenly Father can lay. And so this foundation that is needed in this young disciple's life, this brand new uh, believer in Jesus Christ, they need this foundational truth. And we're going to talk about in the first lesson is about salvation. We're not going to just talk about salvation in general terms. We're not going to give a theological necessarily uh, dissertation on salvation, although there's going to be a lot of theological truths that are revealed to them. They're not even really going to pick up on that at first. The first thing we want to make sure that happens and make sure that we as a discipler understand that our job is or our role is, is to see them established in this relationship with their Heavenly Father. 
they understand the fact that he is their father and that uh, this new believer is a child of God. And there are some real seminal truths that salvation brings to this person that we want to make sure that we don't just skim over it in a 10-minute or 20-30-minute lesson or something like that. We want to take our time and make sure that this foundational truth is established in their heart. They understand this new relationship with God, what it means that uh, the element of separation comes in in this lesson, Uh, the element of the fact that uh, they're a part of God's family now. They used to be a part of the devil's family. Now they're going to be a part of God's family. Uh, the, even the element in its uh, basic understanding is that we're going to teach them uh, the basics about spiritual warfare. Now, we're not going to go deep into that, but we're going to hit that just enough to start their understanding so that when we do talk about spiritual warfare, that foundation is laid within that understanding of this new relationship with God. And he's not just their creator. He's not going to be just their judge. But now he is their father as well, and we want to foster that new relationship. The second thing we want to do in clearly laying this foundation and make sure that as every discipler, again, we're not talking about just the pastors here or the pastoral staff, although they need to set the example, uh, and they need to be able to do these things as well. But every believer needs to be able to disciple another believer when they lead that person to the Lord. And so the second thing we want to see established in that foundation is that they have they understand the eternal security that God has given them. And again, God is establishing them the, in these things. Uh, they're, what their relationship is based on. It's not based on what I do or, or how we do things. It's based on who I am in Christ Jesus. And so we want to make sure that they learn about this eternal security so that they have the freedom and liberty to obey God and all that he has and all that he desires for him. We want them to have a a correct relationship with him. We don't want them to be fearful of God kicking them out of his family when we know clearly he says in his word he won't do that. And so the third thing is the third foundational uh, truth that we want them to understand and obey and, and, and put into practice in their life is baptism. This is the proof of their obedience to God. But it also puts them in the local church, uh, that is a member of the local church, and uh, it shows an act of submission and an act of obedience. But it also, then there are so many wonderful truths when we teach this lesson on baptism, that the person begins to understand all that Christ has done for them. Again, we're in the rudimentary, we're in the foundational stage here, but we want them to understand and know the significance of baptism, not just a Uh, a quick Sunday school lesson on baptism or just a quick little lesson on baptism, but we want to lay the foundation and the groundwork for the rest of their relationship with God. And what is the rest of their relationship supposed to be? It's supposed to be a relationship where we, at least according to our our, our model, we obey God in everything. And so we need to start with the first step of obedience. And if you and I as disciples lay a solid foundation of truth for them from God's word, God can establish them in this foundation and in these foundational truths. Yeah, and I think laying out that foundation for them, again, it sets them up for um, the rest of their Christian life. They've got these things 
down pat. They're, they're not, they can't budge on them now. No one's going to be able to talk them out of them because they've been laid down from Scripture and they're solid in those things now. And now because they have that that foundation that's solid and sure, they can build on that. And so as a discipler, we, we have to make sure that we emphasize the importance of these foundational truths about salvation, about your eternal life that's tied into the life of Christ himself, and then um, the baptism as proof of your obedience. Those those three things, once those are solid, they can build on those things. Uh, let me add this to uh, a little bit of uh, personal experience. Uh, when I first got into ministry, I knew that teaching these things were important. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to come through Bible college and, and through a good church where uh, God's Word is being taught to not know that these things are important. But I think the big difference is when I was trying to teach these early on, I was teaching the facts, I was teaching the truths, but I did not have an understanding of how those truths uh, could be taught in a way to the young believer to establish doctrine without being heavily academic or without having to be heavily by just taking them through the scriptures and showing them those things. And so I think that's, if, if I could say there's a major difference in how I teach today than how I taught 25 years ago when I was early in the ministry would be that there's a whole lot more purpose behind and intentionality behind what I'm teaching now rather than what I taught then. Now, the truths haven't changed, but my approach and my understanding on how to teach them has greatly changed. Right. Yeah, and uh, and again, I think we're, as disciplers, we just talked about last week about how the discipler, the teacher grows as well as the person who's learning. And so you get a f- more and more and more sure foundation on these things yourself as you teach them to other people. And you learn how to teach them better as well and how to make sure that the discipler, the person who's receiving the information, isn't just receiving information, but is applying it into their own heart and their own life. Um, because again, you can teach all this information day in and day out, um, but whether or not it actually matters to the person who's listening is between them and God. And so um, that, again, is why it's so important to establish this foundation, um, because it sets them up for a relationship with God um, that'll be prosperous and effective. And um, so uh, it, the second thing that we want to look at uh, today, the, of the four things that the discipler needs to do, the second thing is this, that they themselves know the tools that the Lord is going to use in that person's life. So again, the first point was that they need to understand the foundational things. And now we're saying that that discipler, he also needs to understand perfectly those tools that God has given in order to be an effective Christian if he's going to teach that to other people. Certainly. So what we see with the tools are this. These are God's tools that he wants to use in my life as the person who's being matured so that I can be a discipler. And as he uses these in my life, I need to understand them well enough to now be able to share that and and see God effectively use these tools in the life of the new believer. And so the tools, uh, there's uh, five of them. And the five tools, the first one is the Holy Spirit of God. Now you say that he's a person. We understand that, but he has a very important role in their, this new believer's life and in every believer's life. And so we see that the Holy Spirit provides the power that God has given to us so that we can obey. Who is the one that convicts us of sin when we do something that is against the Holy Spirit and the Holy God 
that is our Father and that we are to emulate and to glorify and to please. And we find that it's the Holy Spirit of God who is going to give us the power and the ability to say no to sin and yes to the Lord. He's the one that indwells us. And as a believer, uh, we really don't have an excuse for sinning because we have the resident Holy Spirit of God. Now, there's a lot of things we cover in this lesson. At, uh, one of them, and probably the most important, is that we take time and we show the individual believer, this brand new believer, how to identify the voice of the Holy Spirit of God. And that's probably the most uh, significant part of this whole lesson. Now, obviously, all Bible truth is significant, mm-hmm. but that one, as far as this new believer, we want to make sure within the first month or so, month and a half, that this new believer is tuning their ear into the Holy Spirit of God right. and that they're learning how to do that. And we teach that in a very practical way. But if if we don't understand that and we don't are not able to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit, because admit it, in our heads, in our minds, there's a lot of voices. There's our flesh, there's the world and its philosophies. There's even uh, Satan or his emissaries that are his workers and his servants that are going to try and uh, communicate with us and and almost try and interrupt us and show us what might look good, but is not what God has for us. And so we want this young believer and our desire and our goal is that very early on that they have this ability to discern. And so we take a, a decent amount of time to show them how that they can identify, is this the Holy Spirit talking? Or is this one of the three enemies that uh, of God and the, and the enemies of me now as a new believer? And is it one of them talking? And we, we want to make sure they understand this tool. And, and again, we're not trying to depersonalize the Holy Spirit, but we're just looking at it from this aspect that this is a vital uh, tool in our arsenal right. to living out and being obedient to Christ. The second thing that we want to teach is uh, the second tool is obviously the Word of God. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God, they go hand in hand. And so we want them to understand that the Holy, that the Holy Spirit of God wrote the, the Word of God, that He gave it to us so that He could help us to understand exactly what we're supposed to do, what we're not supposed to do. And so our absolute authority for what we should obey is the Word of God. And so the very next thing after we teach them about the Holy Spirit is we want to give them that tool and an understanding of the tool of the Word of God and how valuable it is and, and how this is our guide for everything in life and uh, whether it's what we believe or how we behave or what conduct we have, it is to tell us uh, when and what and whom, what we do, how we do it. Uh, this is really our manual, God's manual to us on how to live life. Uh, a lot of times I've heard uh, people say when they have a, a newborn baby, I sure wish this child came with an owner's manual. Well, it does. It's called God's Word. And so uh, that's our manual for life. And we want this new believer to understand how valuable this tool of the Word of God is and how God preserved it for them. And again, we're not going to go into a lot of theological or, uh, you know, doctrinal uh, heavy academic teaching of it or intellectual teaching of it, but we want to teach it in a very practical way right. for them to be able to put it into practice in their life. Right, because we're not we're not trying to build um, intellectuals. We're trying to make disciples, right? So 
Um, you know, you can, anybody can, can teach somebody something on a, um, academic level, but it, it takes, uh, someone with the assistance of the spirit of God to teach something, to teach someone on a spiritual level like that. The next tool that we see is prayer. And now, obviously, I, I think you can probably, uh, see the, the wisdom in teaching these in these orders, because the next thing we want to do is give God, you know, the word of God, they understand that tool. That's God speaking to them. The very next thing we want to do is, is teach them about the tool, how they can speak to God. And we want to equip them with the understanding of, of uh, you know, how does God want us to communicate with him? When do we get to communicate with him? Uh, how often should we communicate with him? And God's word answers all of those. And so we take them through. And so we want them to understand that prayer is really not an opportunity for you to tell God how to run the universe or even your life. But it's really an opportunity for you to communicate with him how you are seeking to obey him and his will. And, and really, it's an opportunity for us to, sh- to see God show his all-sufficiency in our life and how sufficient he can be. And so when we bring our needs to him, when we bring our requests to him, when we bring our thanksgiving to him, and we teach this new believer how to do those things, now we see them being able to rely on God not only on his word to speak to them, but now they are able to uh, be more mature, more intentional in their communication with him as well. And then the very next thing we want to do is because God has his will for each one of us, uh, we want to make sure they understand what is the will of God for my life. Mm -hmm. And in this lesson, we teach uh, that the will of God is spiritual and the plan of God is physical. And we will teach the plan of God uh, a little later on in the um, in the lessons. But right now we're going to focus on the will of God. And if you think about it, it's God's will that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. God's will is the same for every human being. Right. And we want them to understand that. And so the first thing that we know, you cannot be in the will of God if you're not saved. Right Now, God desires for you to be, but that's why he sent his messengers, his servants, to take the gospel to every creature. Because why? It's God's will that none perish, but all come to repentance. And so it's his desire that uh, the first thing about God's will is that we be saved. The second thing about God's will is that when we're saved, at least according to the Great Commission, is that we're baptized and established in a local church. And that's God's will for every believer. Also, it's God's will for every believer to be taught, to observe, to do everything that God has taught the believer who led them to the Lord. At least that's what we see in the Great Commission. Right. We also know that it's God's will that every believer be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And then we also know that it's God's will for every believer no matter whether whether they're eating or drinking or whatever they're doing, that they do it all to the glory of God. And so when we understand God's will in these five, we also know it's God's will that we be thankful and, and other things as well. But these are five things as it relates to the, to the work of the ministry, to the Great Commission specifically, mm-hmm. that God's will for every believer. So the nice thing is I can meet this new believer and I can be talking to them and I can say, okay, I know you give a testimony of salvation and there's evidence that you desire the sincere milk or the the nutrition of the word of God. I know that you've been baptized. 
And so you obeyed in that. And I know you're meeting regularly with a disciple. Right. So now what we want to do is make sure you continue in the will of God and understand that that means what? That he wants to conform you to his image. And so here's something about discipleship in the American church. We have watered it down to basically, if you're saved, you're a disciple. Right. But there is, in Scripture, there is a great difference between a believer in Jesus Christ and somebody who was a follower of him. Right. Remember Jesus, when he called the disciples, he said, follow me. Mm -hmm. He didn't say, trust me. He said, follow me. Right. In order to follow him, you have to trust him in order to follow him. Right, sure. And so obviously that belief is there, but it also is the act of following. And so we want to see this this person, this new believer, understand the will of God that uh, we want to teach them early on that this is not just you showing up on Sunday morning for Sunday school and church, and that's, that's your discipleship and you're following God. No, there's a whole lot more to it. Now, it may start with them just showing up once, but we're going to intentionally teach towards them being what? A follower of Jesus Christ. That means they're going to be invested with their whole life, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 says. They're going to make their life a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. That's mm -hmm. what every believer ought to be doing, not just those that are deacons or those that are Sunday school teachers or those that are ministry heads or servant right. uh, leadership or whatever. So that's, every believer is to be doing that, and they need to understand the will of God to know what is the right direction for my life and how do I how do I stay on track with God's big ultimate goal and that is to see the Great Commission accomplished in this time frame. And then we see the final tool is the local church. And yes, the local church is a tool in the believer's life. This is the place that God has designed for us to learn and to demonstrate our obedience but it's also a place for us to do what? To be encouraged and strengthened so that we can go out and do what he's called us to do. And right. so the local church was established for what? For the perfecting of the saints. And so we want this new believer to understand, hey, where are you going to learn to be the, the child of God, the servant of God, the minister of God that he wants you to be? It's going to be in the local church. Yeah. And then we talk about the importance of the local church. And so Simeon... Uh, let me turn the tables on you for just okay. a moment because I've taken you through these lessons as we teach them here. Mm -hmm. And would you kind of just speak to your experience as to what is different about how the, I guess, the approach and understanding these things rather than just teaching them as if we were like a college professor teaching these things uh, in a doctrine class or something? Well, I think, I think obviously, I mean, there's the obvious of that it's a one-on-one -on -one kind of scenario, but um, I think the most important part of the whole aspect is that it is a transference um, from the person who's doing the discipling to the disciple. Um, this is what God has done in my life. This is how God has worked in my life. These are some of the things that um, the Lord has taught me, and now I'm going to take those things and I'm going to teach you, and I'm not just going to teach you about them. I'm going to teach you to do them, and I think that's the biggest difference. Um, having gone through having gone through college myself, having professors and all of that, again, I've got nothing against that, but um, having been in there in, in, in a 
college-type setting, the classes are angled more towards, um, so you've got a Bible doctrine class, right? And I'm, mm-hmm. we're, learning, we're learning all of the different doctrines, that um, the, uh, the basis of things that we believe, right? And so I'm being taught those things, but it is not a transference of life from one person to another. It's a transference of information. And I then have to take that information and apply it to my own life, um, which I ought to do. In a discipleship type setting, when you're teaching me about how the Holy Spirit um, works in your life or about how uh, the importance of prayer, the importance of the local church, you're coming to me and you're teaching me those things in a one-on-one type of way. And you're showing me in a practical way that this isn't just something theoretical. This is something Mm -hmm. that is actually happening. And I think that's the biggest difference to me. Good. So... What we're trying to get to, and it, and it may be hard to art, articulate, but it's the fact that the understanding of the person doing the teaching is not just an academic understanding, right. but you're working towards a greater goal. And so we want to make sure that there is an understanding of how these truths relate to the bigger picture of doctrine, but you're giving it to them in the little bites and in a very practical way where you're sharing with them in a very personal way, uh, how they can take these truths and the and the importance of it. And you may not even tell them as, at the moment, you may teach them the truth, but you may not allude to them how this is going to tie into another lesson in a couple of weeks or in a couple of months or another uh, truth or doctrine that we're going to look at in the future. But what you're doing is you're laying that groundwork and you're doing it knowingly. Right. And I think that's the big difference because if you don't know what doctrine to lay down early on, uh, you might skip over that and just read that sentence and not emphasize what needs to be emphasized, and then that person doesn't get it, and then we move on, and now we've got a generation, and hopefully that generation is going to bear fruit, but then if that generation bears fruit and they didn't get it, well, now they're going to pass it down, and it's going to be weakened. And so we want to make sure that we're not... Passing down uh, just information, we want to pass down the truths of God's word, so that they can obey them. When they obey them, now they're going to pass that down in a way right. that they're obeying them as well. And you're taking the time uh, since you're meeting with this person regularly. You're taking the time to observe what's happening in their life and seeing, you know, whether or not they are indeed obeying these things. For instance, if you've done a lesson on the local church and your disciple is not faithful in showing up to the to church, then perhaps you've got a problem, right? And you know Certainly. you can continue to work on that particular idea. Whereas if it's something that's happening in a, in a class, in a coursework type setting, or just for academia's sake, then you can understand the importance of the local church and still not show up. Yep. Yeah. So now that's good. That's good. Um, so we, we've got to move on here, though. The third thing that we wanted to look at, um, the third thing that the discipler needs to have in his tool belt and to have mastered for himself, hopefully mastered for himself, um, is this idea that he is to practice diligently the things that that Christ has uh, that Christ expects of us. Yeah. So you're practicing diligently those commands of Christ. So these commands or demands, these are not demands or commands that man is putting on this individual, this new believer. These are demands that God is placing in their life. These are commands that he is giving them. And we are simply there as a 
uh, helper, an older brother or sister saying, this is what God expects. This is what our Father expects of us. And these are the things. And so we take them through the scripture and show them these demands. So the first of the demands is how do they interact with their brothers and sisters in Christ? You think about this, a young child, one of the things that they need to learn in their early days, now not in their super infancy, but shortly after that, is how do I interact with my brothers and sisters? Uh, if it's a physical relationship, we're gonna know that some brothers and sisters are gonna thump me on the head, and I need to know how to respond to that. And one of them might be screaming for mom and dad. Uh, it might not. Uh, in the church, we're a little more sophisticated than thumping each other on the head, but we do hurt each other, and we need to know how to respond to that hurt. And so we want to go into this lesson helping them understand you have brothers and sisters in Christ. They can be a great asset to you, but there are going to be times that they are going to be less than an asset. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and when they are less than an asset, we need to know what is God's demand? How do I behave? How do I conduct myself in that manner? And so we are beginning to un help them understand that here's, here's God's family. Here's other believers in Jesus Christ. And, and how do I obey him and how I share my life through the person of Jesus Christ with these other people? How do I fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ? What should it look like? What should it feel like? How should I respond in different situations? And so that demand is not a demand that we put on each other, but Christ has told us and God the Father has told us in his word how we are to conduct ourselves with one another. One, he says that we're to love one another. We're to have a sacrificial love one for another. Now that's kind of tough. And in some churches we practice that and others we don't. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're good at it and sometimes we're miserable at it. But that is a demand nonetheless that God puts in the life of a new believer and a mature believer. And we need to understand what his commands are in relationship to that. So we're gonna look at that relationship. How do you relate to your brothers and sisters in Christ? The second demand is giving. And so God designed uh, this one so that we can obey him in our role as an administrator or a steward of everything that he's put in our life. And so when we talk about giving, we're not talking about just money. That's just one of the many things that we are to give. Uh, first, we're to give our life. We're to choose to reckon that God has bought our body and our spirit. And with our heart or our soul, we're to choose to give our body and our spirit as what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And so giving is designed so that we obey God in this role as a steward or an administrator of what he's entrusted to me. And so this stewardship, if we look at our life, I have time, I have uh, resources that God has given me. I have a vehicle. I have a home. I have tools sometimes. I have the abilities, uh, the talents to, to do certain things. All of these things belong to who? Who bought me? I was bought with a price according to the scriptures. And so I need to learn and I need to help this new believer learn that this life is about stewarding it for God's purpose, for God's pleasure, and for his uh, his goals and his will to be accomplished. And so in this lesson of giving, yes, it's going to include money, but it's going, it's, it's a whole lot bigger picture than that. Right. 
And if, <clears throat> if they're willing to give of themselves first, as is talked about in the book of Corinthians, uh, if they're willing to give of themselves first, that's what pleases God. He wants all of us, and he wants us to realize that we are a steward of what he's given us. That kind of leads to the next demand is what is my attitude, what is a correct attitude towards money and possessions? So it kind of is, we want to talk about giving because that's talking about the stewardship. Mm -hmm. Now we want to talk about money and possessions, and we're going to go into and do a little bit more of a uh, a uh, instruction, I guess is the best word to say here, on money and possessions. This is designed for us to learn how to obey God by looking at these things with the correct attitude or the correct manner. God wants us to learn that greed is subtle and that it is going to sneak in. We're going to learn that the attitude of being content is with what he's given us is important and that when we have things, we're to use them for his honor and glory. And so we're going to go into and help them understand this demand. Again, this demand is not put on this person by the church or by you or I. This demand is put on them by God himself. And he is mm-hmm. the one that is making this command and this demand in their life. Right. And then the, the next demand is that we learn how to deal with sin appropriately. This is designed to help us uh, experience the victory over the things that do not let us obey God in everything. He wants us to learn how to have victory over sin, but that learning how to have victory over sin is going to come from where? From the Word of God. And so again, we're going to see God demands that we live a holy and just life. That's not a demand of the church. That's not a demand of the pastor. That's not a demand of the other believers that are discipling or teaching your Sunday school class. That is what God has required of us and demands for us. Mm -hmm. And he knows that we're going to mess up. He expects us to mess up. Right. That's why he gave us 1 John 1 9. In fact, the the only uh, real expectation of God and, and, and is if we confess. He knows we're going to mess up. We're going to need to confess. Mm-hmm. The question is, are we going to confess? And so God's expectation is that we will mess up. That's not his desire. His desire is that we obey like Jesus Christ did in everything. And so his desire for my life is that I obey him in everything, but his expectation is a realistic expectation that as long as I have my flesh and what we see in the testimony of the Apostle Paul right. is we're going to do things that we don't want to do and that we shouldn't do. And so God has given us a way to get that relationship, uh, sorry, that fellowship restored to where it ought to be. The relationship never changes. It's always father-son right. father-child. But the fellowship can be changed, and that's what we need to learn and help them to understand when we talk about this demand that God puts in their life on how to deal with sin. It's not a choice for me to choose to deal with sin. In fact, he gives me a crown, uh, the uh, martyr's crown, if I resist temptation and I don't give in to temptation. He gives me the martyr's crown. Why would that be the martyr's crown? Because in order for me to resist temptation, I have to do what? I have to die to myself. Mm-hmm. And he actually tells us if we are uh, resisting temptation and, we, and we're and we successful in that and we obey him in this demand, then he's actually going to give us a crown for that. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the next demand is liberty in Christ. And the demand here is that we what? 
that we live in the liberty that he's provided us. But I don't want to teach them about the liberty until I've taught them and, and God has established them in what? In their ability to handle sin. Mm-hmm. Because we're not to use our liberty for an occasion for the flesh. And so this is designed to help us obey God with all of our freedom in our Christian life. And to when to use it, when not to use it, when will it be a stumbling block? We're going to go into greatly understanding that. And so we want to make sure that the discipler understands the importance of these things so that they can clearly pass this obedience and this life on to the person they're discipling. And then the last two are these. There's my boss and my workplace. And God puts demands on us when, when it comes to our boss and our workplace. We're to give uh, eight hours work for eight hours pay. We are not to steal from our boss. And he goes into different things, and we want to make sure that we what? That we give this new disciple the opportunity to understand how to obey God by seeing our job as an area of ministry. Right. He tells us uh, he tells us we're to serve uh, our masters as we are serving Christ. And so he goes into great depth in helping us to understand this God's demand in regard to my work life. And if you're working a full-time job, about one-third of your life is going to be spent at work. And so at least your adult life, that is. And so that's a significant area of your life that God wants and has demands on. And he wants us to understand and know how to do that. And then the last one on the demands is simply this. What is God's demands in my life regarding the lost world? Mm-hmm. And this is designed to teach this new believer a vast mission field where they can obey God in the matter of fulfilling the Great Commission. Right. And to, and how we are to see the lost world. How am I supposed to interact with the lost world? How am I supposed to, uh, what am I supposed to do in the areas of witnessing and, and how do I go about that? And, and so how do I deal with the lost world? God has demands in our life now as his children on how we deal with those stranger danger out there, uh, so to speak. If you're thinking about a young child, uh, parents teach their kids on how to deal with what? Those people out there they don't know. And so God has those demands for us as well. And he wants us to have a heart to see them saved. But there's also things that he wants us to interact with, and there's other things he doesn't want us to interact And So we go into that in that lesson on God's demands in our life. Yeah, that's really good. And it is so important to, as I'm looking over these um, these different things, especially those last two, I think those get completely missed. Um, we talk to people a lot about witnessing, mm-hmm. but how are they supposed to be a witness if they aren't giving it their all at work? How are they supposed to be a witness to their boss, to their coworkers, if they're not doing eight hours work for eight hours pay, right? If they don't have an understanding of work, how, how do they be a witness to the lost world around them when they've completely unplugged themselves from anything that has to do with the world? Yeah. Um, you know, I know you, uh, you personally, you work um, as, a, as a chaplain in the fire department. Yeah. And you've got yourself plugged in, um, in in a secular environment that is not church. And it's so easy, I think, a lot for a lot of us, especially those of us who grew up in church. All of our friends are in church, you know, and, and, and so we don't have a real connection to people who are lost. And it's a mistake. And some, some of us, the only place in which we have a connection to people who are lost is at the workplace. 
And so if that's not taught properly, man, are they, is that, is that believer missing out on an opportunity to be a witness? Yeah. And they could be a bad testimony or a good testimony. And we want to equip them to be that godlike testimony. Right. Yeah. And um, anyway, so the, the, the fourth thing that we wanted to look at um, real briefly is that we have to constantly keep in mind the reason why we are living um, the way that we're living and the reason why we are teaching the things that we're teaching. If you don't have the overarching reason in mind when you're teaching something, you're going to disconnect what you're teaching from the overall purpose. Um, and so we talked about the four goals uh, last week about what we want to see accomplished in that believer's life, but why? Why do we have those four things? Why do we want to see those things accomplished in the in the believer's life? And the reason is that one of these days, they're going to have a confrontation with Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it's called the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat. And so this is the reason why we want to make sure they understand the demands, that they understand the uh, the tools that God has given them. And it all takes a good solid foundation. And so what's going to happen at the judgment seat? Well, every believer individually is going to give an account. I'm not going to be able to say, well, my pastor didn't teach me that. Uh, it's in God's word. And if I've had a significant amount of time to live for Christ and have time to read his word and understand it, uh, I'm going to be held responsible for all that's in there. And so Mm -hmm. I need to make sure that I'm living my life in a way that is going to bring God honor and glory. The cool thing is that he is willing to give us rewards for obeying him. that, Mm -hmm. That astounds me because he created us for his pleasure and for his glory. We, as a creation, rebelled against him in utter rebellion. I mean, it wasn't pretty. It was ugly. And it is ugly in our continued rebellion against him. And yet he loved us so much as a creation and desires so much to get pleasure from our life and get glory from our life that he sent his only begotten son to take our place in all of our rebellion and all of our sin, to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be reconciled to him. And then when we're reconciled, he doesn't just let us exist in his presence, but he wants us to be his own children. He wants to guide us and direct us and and have fellowship with us. And then he wants us to glorify him in this life and be his his, uh, ambassador to this world. And then he says, in the end, I'm going to reward you for doing what I've asked you to do. And that, that judgment seat of Christ, it can be either a looking, uh, we can either look forward to it with great anticipation, or mm-hmm. we can look forward to it with great dread because we're not prepared for that day. And so we want to take a young believer in his first year or so, or her first year or so, and help them understand all of these things that God is de- wanting to do and, and de- desiring to do in and through them and establish them in this foundation so that they understand and they know what is the strong motive that helps us to want to obey God is that he will reward obedience on this day. Right. Now, right. now we know unbelievers are going to face a judgment of their sin, and that's the what great white throne judgment. But mm-hmm. believers are not going to face a judgment of our sin. It's already been judged at the cross because of your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But what you will be judged for 
is the motive behind what you did for Christ. If the motive was to please him and to glorify him and obey him, well, then that will be rewarded. The others will be rewarded, but it'll be rewarded with wood, hay, and stubble. And the test right. is going to be fire. And so I would rather get the jewels and the gold and the silver and the precious stones rather than the wood, hay, and stubble. But it all boils down to what is my motive and am I living up to or am I obeying God the Father as Christ obeyed him? And when I do it right. as Christ did, that is going to be rewarded on that day. And what a wonderful day to be able to see the rewards and the, and the fruit that God has borne through us. And right. all it has to do with our heart attitude and our willingness to be obedient to him. Yeah, absolutely. And for I, I know personally the thing that I was kind of blown away with when I was really first introduced to this idea of a thorough discipleship process is that all of this is being taught to this person very early in their Christian walk. They're not having to absorb this from the pulpit over years and years of time of slowly um, a pastor slowly working his way through scripture, which he ought to do. Um, but they're not having to absorb it through that. They're actually getting it discipled and taught to them early on so that the rest of their life is productive and allows them to produce fruit Um because Christ is living in them and producing fruit in them and they understand their relationship with him and they have that end goal in mind that one day they're going to stand before Jesus Christ and they're going to want to have their hands full of of gold sure. and and things that are going to make it through that fire. This And so sorry this I just wanted to point out that as you just pointed out this really helps your pulpit ministry because now the people that are sitting before you, you know that if they are saved for a year or more and they've been discipled, they've already been taught these basic things. You don't have to go into a long description of that for the most part because you have people right. that understand these things. So it allows you to go deeper in other areas without having to review everything all the time. You can say a short statement or a couple of sentences and bring everybody up to where you're at in that message or in that passage and then go into the depth of it. And it really, it aids my pulpit ministry by giving me more believers that are knowledgeable. We always are gonna have some young believers in there, but I don't have to worry about them too much because I have an intentional plan and they are getting the gospel, they are, are they're getting the truths of the word of God. And so it really aids the pulpit right. ministry and the Sunday school ministry as well. Sure. Yeah, and it, I don't know, I think, I think some people are afraid, as weird as this sounds, I think some people are afraid to teach these things um, because they're afraid that if they don't teach them just so-so, then they're going to mess somebody up for life, you know? And mm -hmm. um, I don't think that we ought to, first of all, Christians are not supposed to live in fear anyway. Um, but I don't think that we need to live like that, that we're afraid that we're going to mess somebody up or mess something up because, you know, as long as we, we're trying to teach somebody truth and you're teaching them the things that are from scripture. Sure. You're going to adjust how you do that. You're going to change how you do that. You're going to hopefully perfect how you do that, um, as you do it, but they have got to be yeah. taught these things. 
And in order for them to be taught these things, you as the discipler has to under have to understand those things. And that's why we we spent the first two um, the first two points talking about how you you yourself have to have an understanding of those foundational things, and you yourself have an, have to have an understanding of the tools that Christ has given you to live the Christian life. Um, yeah. And so it's Let so important. Let me add this, uh, Simeon, if I can. I want to re- encourage uh, our listeners to. Uh, not be not be afraid like you were just doing, but let us remember who we, whose words are these? Right. Whose whose leadership are we under? We're under the capable leadership of our heavenly Father, His Son through His Holy Spirit. And no, if your motive is pure and your desire is obedience, He will lead you and give you the words to say. He will give you those things. Now that doesn't mean that you can just not do proper diligence and not learn and not be instructed. Uh, You need the instruction. You need to be uh, taught these things so that you can teach them to others. But then when you're teaching them, obviously, when I first started teaching these nearly 20 years ago, I didn't teach them as thoroughly and with as much understanding as I do today. Sure. But God is able to take our weaknesses, and, and, and that's where he thrives, in our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And so as long as our motive is pure, our, our goal is obedience, and we have submitted ourselves to the teaching of his words first, then we can share these with others and be confident that the things that he's going to bring to our mind and the things that he's going to emphasize with us, that that's what that person needs. And he has a way of knowing when we're young how that the person we're dealing with is younger. And so uh, that person is not going to need us to maybe give it to them as thoroughly as we could five years from now. Sure. So let's just trust the Lord. We're going to trust him with everything. It's not our own understanding. It's not our own ability. But that doesn't mean that we're going to just ignore everything and just go willy-nilly and whatever comes to mind is what we're going to say either. We want to be intentional and obedient to him. Right. No, I think that's really good. And I think that's what we're going to have to wrap up for today. And um, I hope that you'll stay tuned. I hope that you'll join with us next week. We, we're all we're taking all of this somewhere. And so um, I hope that you'll join us again next week. Thank you again for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us. You can do that. Um, I'll give you the information in the sting. Um, you know, you can leave it. You can leave a comment. Uh, most podcast platforms give you an, uh, a way to leave a comment uh, on that. And we would be happy to, to get back with you on that. And that helps us out as well and uh, review and all of that. So again, thank you so much for listening and we'll look forward to speaking to you again next week. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of General Order 4. On next week's episode, we're going to be talking about how all of this accomplishes unity in the church. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com or on Twitter at generalorder4. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe.